Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck, a medallia company. Uh, Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. This podcast is also brought to you by the Success League, a consulting and training firm focused on developing top performing customer success programs. My name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. I'm joined today by Carl Gold, the chief data scientist for Zuora and the author of Fighting Churn with Data, a book that he wrote to teach people the right way to collect data on, measure, and address churn. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the intersection of data science and customer success. Carl, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Kristen. Very excited to be here. So most of our guests are customer success leaders, and I usually ask them how they landed in our field. Instead, I'm going to ask you, how did you get into data science? Okay, well, I might kind of date myself with this story, (laughs) but I got into, I say I got into data science the old-fashioned way, which is I was an academic and studied things like machine learning and statistics, and then eventually I, I got my PhD and needed to get a job and went into industry. But I did this before there was actually a field of data science. Yeah, cool. Um, And I actually spent a while as a Wall Street quant. That was one of the routes out of academia. But eventually when data science became more of a thing and there's more machine learning and statistics in use at more companies, I uh, sort of made a transition into uh, data science. Actually, starting with churn, it was I started out with a, a friend whose startup was working on a churn problem, asked me to analyze it with, with them. And that was what led me to leaving finance and going into data science. That's very cool. Um, so since then, you've had a, a few roles, notably most recently with Zora. Um, in this area. Tell us a little bit more about Zora. For those who don't know, what does your company do and what is the mission of the organization? Well, the mission of Zora, there is a phrase they say, the world subscribed. They want, the mission of Zora is to bring the whole world into the subscription economy, which is products and services, you know, sold on an ongoing recurring basis. And so Zora, the product is a platform that subscription companies use to manage their customers and their different aspects of their product and operations. Got it. Um, So today we're gonna talk about data and churn and you've graciously agreed to give our audience some ideas about how to develop a solid set of metrics for customer success. But before we dive into the practical details, what made you decide to literally write the book on customer success and data, what problems are you hoping to help CS professionals solve? Well, starting with a first churn case, I went on to analyze data and assist customer success teams uh, with their data at literally dozens of companies. And the truth is I made a lot of mistakes along the way, especially um, in the early years. And eventually it got to the point where I was like, wow, I've learned so much about the right and wrong way to do this. I should find some way to get other people to benefit from my knowledge. And uh, that led to, you know, writing the book. 
That's fantastic. I, I think that, um, you know, this is an area that I see a lot of CS leaders really kind of struggle with, especially if they don't have kind of a quant background and they're, um, you know, they're not sure even how to approach some of the problems that are faced. So it's exciting that you've got a book to help us. <laughs> I would put myself in that category too. I definitely um, kind of have approached things more from a people perspective than a quant perspective, although I've had to kind of learn that side of things over the years. I think this is going to be really helpful. Um, one thing that we notice across our customers, and I, I'm asked a lot of questions about, is data cleanliness. So basically every company out there has dirty data and they all want to know how important it is to clean it up before they use it for analysis. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's actually two data cleanliness problems that people need to be aware of. Um, one is your data about your current customers, which is, you know, can you properly identify all your current customers and what their status is? Now, that is an area where you absolutely need 100% cleanliness of your data. And yet, surprisingly, there can be issues with this happening, you know, duplicate yeah. records or missing <laughs> records. Um, because it, so if you can't identify your current customers properly, then all of your efforts are going to have a, that problem. Yeah. But in your question, you also mentioned about the cleanliness of data for analysis, which is actually a little bit different because your analysis is, well, normally that means using your historical customer data to um, help you determine the best course of action in the future. And that, right. that's actually the main theme of the book. The good news is that in analysis, there's a little more leeway. Um, I usually have a rule of thumb that, you know, if your data is 90% clean, it's good enough to do an analysis and it doesn't have to be perfect, um, but it, it can't be too bad either. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I know. That's reassuring, I think, because it, you know, a lot of people we talk to think that everything has to be perfect and they know how big of a lift that's going to be in order to get data into perfect shape. Um, I agree with you. If you can't figure out who your current clients are, though, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, and, and there, there the lift is necessary just for yeah. deduping and figuring out who your current customers are. Then when it turns to having data to analyze, you know, the completeness, it's, I, I go into details in the book, but you don't, if you, you don't want to have a problem where you neglect, like, let's say you have one channel of your customers, like a, a sales channel is completely missing. Mm -hmm. Well, then you can't do analysis on that sales channel. Yeah. But if you have some customers in your historical data last year, you know, one week, you know, their calls were dropped or something, you know, you can't clean up everything. Right. Yeah, that's, that's great advice for everybody. So let's say your data is as clean as it needs to be. How would you use data to develop a good set of metrics for customer success? Well, this is really one of the main themes of the book. Uh, mm -hmm. and you start out with, well, what are you logging about your customers? And, and typically mm -hmm. most businesses today actually track a lot of things about the customers. And I mean, in like an anonymous sense of a, you know, a vac tracking events of yeah. what interactions they have. 
So we're never talking about stalking your customers on the internet here. <laughs> this is your customers passing through your own plumbing and you have you know, anonymous keys to keep track of them, assuming you do that. So you wanna go from that to a good set of metrics. Uh, well, first is customer metrics where you actually, you have to sum up those events that you've been tracking into in interpretable metrics that really relate to the value that your customers get uh, on your system. Um, and that would be like, let's say if your system is for creating some kind of document, then you're gonna track things like how many documents the user created last month or how many they shared or how many they edited and, and things like that. And here the trick is to, the, the, the risk is information overload because most companies track too many things. Um, you could be tracking dozens or hundreds of different interactions with your customers. Mm -hmm. And that's where uh, you need to use, well, both, there's two parts, common sense. Yeah. Where <laughs> you you want to fo focus on the things that really relate to the value the customer is getting um, to the best, as best you understand it. And then actually using uh, analysis but you can look at the past churn patterns of your customers. This is a core concept from the book is actually cohorting your customers based on their, the metrics that you've defined and see which metrics are most predictive of churn and retention. Mm -hmm. uh, and then those are likely to be some of the most useful um, for tracking your customers. Cause you, and you can see really easily when they predict churn and retention uh, yeah, I think what I see happening a lot, and I'd love your take on this, is is I see people kind of relying very heavily on their hypotheses for why customers are leaving and not really testing those hypotheses. Do you run into that as well? Uh, yeah, not not in my own work because okay. if you're a, if you're a data yeah. scientist, you you approach it from a very. It's all about predicting and, and testing yeah. that you can predict, you know, the outcome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely out in the customer success world, you know, it's popular to define a health score based on your intuition without actually lining it up against any data. Um, and that's actually, I think the most common way is, you know, you define some rules and I'm not saying that that's totally bad. You know, I'm sure there's some data that goes into that. I mean, most companies mm -hmm. know what the most important metrics are, um, but it's better to, to really make it data driven. Yeah. So that leads me to my next question, which is how do you, how do you go about calculating important churn numbers from your raw data? Okay, well, I, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, a developer, you know, by training, you know, I've done a uh -huh. lot of software development. And so, I mean, I am a believer in, in using code basically to, to solve those problems. Um, many people try to do things with spreadsheets, which can, you know, lead to problems um, in this area. I mean, there uh -huh. are also products you can use. Um, that answer some of these problems. Although I've actually never really seen a product that does a, a good job of what I want to do. Again, that's uh -huh. like why I wrote the book that I wrote. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, there's a multi-step process to calculate churn numbers from, from raw data. 
there has to be some amount of data cleaning if it's your subscription data about the right. customers. And then from your subscriptions, you calculate things like churn rates, uh, which could be revenue churn or subscriber churn, depending mm -hmm. on you know what type of business. Usually revenue churn is for a business to business product. Um, and then, well, I mean, there's a long, you know, it's actually a big subject of how the best system for calculating customer metrics, because I, I provide a set of code to calculate customer metrics in my book. But, you know, I know other professionals will want to use the library of their choice as yeah. well. Um, well, then I kind of have a follow up question on that. So if it if it's a um, case of needing some ability to to do some coding, where where do people who are data scientists typically sit inside of organizations? Because I, I, I've noticed that sometimes CS people have a hard time tracking those folks down. For a problem like customer churn, I think you should be working with your IT department or, you know, in-house programming. I mean, usually mm -hmm. the, pro the data scientists sit in both the engineering department, but and those are the people who are creating the product. But there should uh -huh. also be um, data science resources or data analyst resources and just coding resources generally should live in the IT department. And that's usually where the you know, certainly in my company, that's where the, the customer success gets their support from. Okay. Cool. That's helpful because I think, um, and I've seen a few cases too where there are data science folks who live in the finance department um, yeah. because they have some complex um, numbers they're trying to run there. Would that be a good resource as well? Well, it's a developing field. <laughs> the truth okay. is many, many of these <laughs> questions, it depends on the size of your organization. Okay. If you're a small organization, like a startup, then you pretty much get whoever can to help. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> at least, at least in my book, I wrote it at a level where anyone who knows how to code, like in an IT department, okay. could follow the recipes. Uh, in a bigger organization, you know, it's more complicated. And yeah, I don't know. It's almost company politics. Do you use the data scientists from this group or that group? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think you know that just I, I think the big point here is they're they live in different places around your company track them down <laughs> and well, use them <laughs> the other important point yeah. is to get this on people's priority list that's yeah. actually the real battle i know in my, my in my own company we're stretched really thin yeah and so the first battle is to get everyone to acknowledge that this is a problem and it it does need technical resources to get the best results um, yeah. So it has to get in the priority queue for those teams. I think that's, that's a great challenge. point. Yeah. Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. If you like Strike Deck Radio, I'd like to introduce you to my new podcast, Reading for Success. Reading for Success is a short weekly podcast where I review books and articles on customer success leadership, break them down for you, and help you figure out whether or not they are worth your time. We will also be featuring author interviews from time to time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many of the other podcast platforms. I hope you'll join me for Reading for Success. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I love data. 
If you want to create a data-driven customer success program, StrikeDeck's Pro Guide to Customer Success is a report based on a preliminary study of 5,600 CS professionals from nearly 600 companies. It highlights the scope of customer success and offers valuable data points to help CS professionals enhance their initiatives. Get access to it now and let data drive your decision-making. We'll add the link in the description of this podcast. And now back to today's episode. So that leads me to my next question, actually. Which groups inside of the company are most interested in the sort of customer success metrics that you develop, and how do they use them? Because I think that could help you get some leverage for getting the resources to help. It's usually two groups. um, Okay. Marketing and kind of mainline customer success. And okay. in the marketing, it's people who are handling uh, kind of ongoing engagement with customers, meaning, you know, updates and news and information. And there they want to be using the data to make those, uh, that information that they're sending out as targeted as possible. So it's really providing value to the customers who open those emails or, or look at those mm-hmm. messages. Um, so that's one key use of the data. Then there's also the customer success uh, group where the data is used. Well, one thing is figuring out who who really needs help. You, mm-hmm. you can tell from the use patterns who's not fully live or you know who's not achieving adequate value. Well, those are the people that you need to target with, well, whatever, it depends on what your playbooks are. You know, if you have onboarding or calls or, or what have you, uh, you definitely want to use the data to do the targeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for, sometimes you want to identify your power users. So it's not just that you want to help the, you know, those who are failing. There, there are very good reasons to want to identify power users. I mean, perhaps for potential upsells or advanced training, uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. How does data play into churn intervention? Uh, well, interventions, there, I mean, there's so many different types of interventions, mm-hmm. I guess. So, I mean, and data should play in both your strategizing, you know, about what are the most effective interventions, mm-hmm. and then really, most importantly, in segmenting the customers to target them for different interventions. So if you're doing something like uh, making an offer to a customer, maybe to attend a training, you wanna target it at those customers who are most likely to benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, And the same thing, like I said, for information outreach from from marketing. Again, you're gonna use the data to segment the customers and make, try to make sure to the extent possible that you're sending the communication to those who are most interested. Yeah, that's great. I I think another important metric that our audience should be paying attention to is customer lifetime value. Any tips on how to calculate that accurately? Um, yes, I have a, there's a section in the book okay. on, on how to do it. I don't We're going to tell everyone where to go get the book too. <laughs> so there, there's a section on it and there's a, there's a well-known rule of thumb that customer lifetime value is uh, monthly revenue divided by the monthly churn rate. 
for a mm -hmm. customer. And that's actually not a bad rule of thumb. If you, it's not, as I, I go really into the weeds in the book, you have to be a math mm -hmm. nerd like me to actually get into this stuff. <laughs> but the most basic thing you need is if you know custom, your customer churn rate, okay. then, then you can do a basic customer lifetime value estimate. And then you can refine it further if you use a more advanced system that gives you individual customer churn forecasts then you can do individual customer uh, lifetime value forecasts. Um, I like that. Yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about lifetime value though. It's kind of a confusing subject because when you're trying to, you use lifetime value to decide if it's worth it to save a customer or not, but it's confusing to most people, but if someone's been around for a long time as a customer, it's still only the future that matters. Um, and if you determine a customer has a high likelihood of churn for other reasons, in a way it, does, you know, it doesn't matter what they paid you in the past, mm -hmm. the lifetime value is, is the future benefit from the customer, so. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole idea, I think of sunk costs, right? Doesn't matter exactly. how much you've put into that customer or how much they're, they've paid you in the past, it's the future. Um, that, that is, it, it's, it's easy to forget because you might be looking at a very large number if they've been around for a long time. And so instinctually, I think everyone wants to go, well, they've paid us so much, so we should keep helping them. <laughs> um, yeah. But it might be a poor instinct. Yeah, I mean, the truth is usually if someone's been a, long, a customer for a long time, it's for a good reason. Mm -hmm. And you would expect to find that customer has a, you know, a low churn risk, but it's a kind of a, you know, a subtlety yeah. to just not fall into the sunk cost, sunk benefit mentality and really focus on, you know, what, what the future holds. Yeah. I want to loop back around to your book for a minute. What did you enjoy most about the writing process and what did you learn? Well, I really enjoyed probably most people will say this, I enjoyed the initial kind of coming up with how to explain things uh -huh. and kind of like the first draft. I enjoyed the first draft and making the first pass at the rough sketch of the diagrams. Um, Cause that was where I was being creative and thinking about how to convey the ideas. Uh -huh. Then all the editing and refinement was uh, a lot of toil. <laughs> probably yeah. most, most writers will tell you the same. Yeah. Um, was there anything that you you kind of realized as you were writing the book that you hadn't thought about going in? Yeah, actually, there uh, it would be hard to give particular examples, but there were definitely things where as I was writing the book, I was like, wait a second, this doesn't completely make sense. And I had to go back and adjust my own because, you know, I had a practice. We had a practice of doing this kind of analysis at Zora. Yeah. And some of the things, it wasn't until I wrote it down where I was like, hey, that's not quite right. I should, I should, before anyone else looks at this, I'd better fix it. Yeah. <laughs> I find that I, I haven't written a book, but I've written a lot of articles and I find that I do the same thing when I'm writing. It kind of helps me refine my own thinking around how to, how to do things or explain them. And it's useful that way. Yeah, well, writing the book was kind of like a second chance because, you know, within Zora, it's a company and, you know, you build up your legacy code, right? Yeah. And it's, it's hard to change your code once you have it running. But yeah. in writing the book, of course, I, ha I had to make a completely open source version 
based on a similar process. So the book was kind of like my second chance uh, yeah. to get it oh. right. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so most of the members of our audience are frontline customer success professionals or customer success leaders. If someone's out there and they're struggling to figure out how to leverage their customer data, what, what is the top suggestion for them? Aside from buy your book and read it. <laughs> well, really, if customer success is struggling with data, it's probably an issue of organizational alignment that okay. the organization needs to basically make sure the customer success people are getting the data resources they need uh, yeah. and the bandwidth they need from other departments. Because I mean, if, if someone from customer success is struggling with how to leverage customer data, it's because it's not their background. And I mean, again, if you're a yeah. very, if you're a tiny startup, right? If you're like all, if you're a five people in one room and you're the first customer success hire, this doesn't really apply to you. Right. <laughs> then you have to just do whatever you can to be a scrappy yeah. startup. But in any more mature organization, it sounds like an, if a customer success leader is struggling with data, it really sounds like an organizational failure that needs to be addressed by aligning, you know, the leadership on the customer success goals. I hate to say it. No, I mean, that's really good advice for, for people. It, it's true in a lot of areas, not just in data. So um, I think that there's, there's just a general trend of people, you know, still not quite understanding customer success. And, um, you know, that makes it a little tough to get resources for the team sometimes. So I appreciate your candor on that. Um, I know that you're focused on data science, but I'd still love to hear your take on our last question. This is something that we ask all of our guests. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? Um, well, the general acknowledgement of customer success across so many types of organizations is a huge trend. Um, I mean, may, mm -hmm. you probably see it I hardly go to an, speak to an organization anymore that isn't focused on it. I guess you yeah. see the ones that, that don't. Um, and then within those that do, I mean, I really do see, this will sound self-serving, but I do see everyone's upping their game in terms of their use of data. Mm -hmm. you know, it's you know, not enough just to you know, come up with an onboarding program for when customers sign up. Um, it really has to be, you know, ongoing use of data throughout the customer life cycle, you know, at, at, mm -hmm. to identify and, you know, optimize for the, the key touch points. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, it's hard to do. I think sometimes it's left to CS leaders to do themselves and they don't have data science team at their disposal. So um, it, it can make it a little challenging. Yeah, the tools are hopefully getting better. I mean, a lot of the tools that I, I got, we mentioned earlier, well, we didn't na name any tools and we're not mm -hmm. going to, but like we, many of these use hard coded rules where you kind of come up with the, the score in the configuration and then people tend to set it and forget it. And yeah. I, I think that's kind of, you know, the way of the past. I, I mean, I'm not a to an advocate of AI for most things like this, but just being more data driven is, you know, the order of the day. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Carl, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. I, data science can seem mysterious for a lot of people in our field, and I appreciate you taking the time to offer up some practical ideas and approaches um, for how folks can 
use customer data to solve problems. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? And also, where should we look for your book? Let's see. To get in touch with me, I have a blog website, uh, okay. fight, fightchurnwithdata.com. Oh, cool. And, you know, that, that has my links to everything. Nowadays, uh, I, my, my latest thing is that I'm live streaming on Twitch, data science. Uh, <laughs> cool. Tra training streams. But I also do the usual social media. And basically, if you put fight churn with data into your Google search, it's going to get you to something that's <laughs> that's related okay. to it. The, the books on Amazon and also on my publisher's website, which is Manning Publications. Uh, I think that it's like manningbooks.com. Okay. But again, it's easy to find. Sounds good. Well, Carl, thank you so much. Thank you, Kristen. It's been my pleasure. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.